Hey guys, welcome to the Justice Junkies, a true crime podcast. I'm Allie. And I'm Wit. We are sisters on a mission to seek justice and be a voice for the voiceless. We are so excited to launch our podcast. For our first episode, we wanted to join a victim's family and friends in raising awareness to the signs of intimate partner domestic violence by discussing the life of Sarah Elizabeth Hansen and how her life was allegedly taken by the hands of her senseless killer, her boyfriend, Garrett Michael Benson. Let's dive in. Sarah Elizabeth Hansen was born on March 10, 1995. She had a loving father, mother, and big brother. She grew up in Fort Worth, Texas, surrounded by her friends and family and her church community. Being the youngest of the family and one of the few girls of their family, Sarah was referred to as their princess. Sarah spent her childhood growing up at her family's lake house, surrounded by all her cousins and family. Even at such a young age, around the age of one, she became a huge water bug. Sarah was a very active child and was very well known in her community. Not only did she enjoy the water and being outside, she also played soccer and her mom spent her weekends with a car full of girls taking them to and from soccer games and loved having her home filled with the echoing laughter of Sarah and her friends. Sarah was very involved in her church community. She sang in their choir and never missed an opportunity to participate in their annual nativity play. Friends and family would describe Sarah as a bright, beautiful, and sweet young girl. She was the kind of friend that when you had a busy day, she would encourage you and give you the best pep talks. She radiated positivity, and they would describe her energy as light and pure. You just wanted to be around her and in her presence. To know her was to love her. She made everyone feel welcome, seen, and even if you had just met her, you left feeling like you had always known her. Sarah had a heart that wanted to help others, and that even began at such a young age. Sarah began babysitting the children in her neighborhood at the age of 11. There was a park in their neighborhood that Sarah would take the kids and play with them. She was a very loving and hands-on caregiver. The cutest thing is the children in the neighborhood associated the park with Sarah, so much so that they all called the park Sarah's Park. The children and families of their community truly adored Sarah. Sarah's passion for taking care of and loving kids continued to grow as she started nannying for well-known families in the Fort Worth community through high school and college. After graduating from North Crowley High School, Sarah knew at a young age that she wanted to continue to care for children and children with all needs, so she started focusing her studies on becoming a pediatric ICU nurse. Her studies were so important to her, and even balancing working at a local burger joint and caring for the children of her community, it never slowed her academics down. Completing her studies at TCC, a local community college with a GPA of 3.9, she was accepted into the UTA nursing program. Oh my gosh, stop it. It's so cute that they called it Sarah's Park. I know as a mom, it had to give them such a peace of mind knowing their child was being loved and engaged at the same time. I agree. It's very hard as a parent to find someone to look after your children that you trust and feel comfortable with. Sarah met Garrett the night of St. Patty's Day in 2019. Sarah and her friends were hanging out at a local Irish pub when one of Sarah's friends mentioned she knew a guy Sarah may be interested in and asked Sarah if she wanted her to invite him. Sarah, being the social butterfly that never met a stranger, was in fact excited about meeting a new friend. And so their relationship began. Uh Uh-oh. Garrett Michael Benson was born on October 17, 1995 to the parents of Todd and Michelle Benson of Fort Worth, Texas. Garrett was the oldest of two boys. While he ran cross-country and graduated from Southwest Christian School, his brother, on the other hand, attended Alito ISD and was drafted by the Atlanta Braves prior to graduating. Okay, little brother, talk about a one-upper. 
who are you telling? Well, after doing some research, Garrett's brother grew up playing with U.S. baseball and even traveled to Japan in 2012 to play against Team Japan. Could you imagine growing up with all the traveling and weekends spent around your younger sibling competitive schedule? Wow, this kind of hits home for me. You know, my youngest son, Maddie, is really into sports. He has played sports his whole life and he's done really well. We do spend a lot of our free time on the weekends at the ball fields or baseball fields. However, my oldest son, Trey, he plays basketball, but he doesn't consume his life with it like Maddie does. Jake and I, we intentionally try to build Trey up in other ways because we don't want him to feel less important or less successful. I don't know. Raising kids, it's a tough job. Absolutely. It's a very hard dynamic to navigate. But like you said, it takes intentionality to recognize that and prioritize each child's interests, especially so it doesn't start affecting the children's relationship or cause frustration to build up within the child that feels like they have to compete for attention. So before we dive back into Sarah and Garrett's relationship, I want to talk about a previous relationship of Garrett. I spoke with a girl who also attended Southwest Christian School and dated Garrett her sophomore year, which would have been Garrett's junior year. It was interesting to learn more about what Garrett was like during that time, what the dynamic of their relationship was like, and how she describes Garrett. Mind you, we are going to keep her name anonymous for the time being. To not confuse the two relationships, let's name her for the podcast. This is not her name, but we'll be referring to her as Liz. Liz describes Garrett as a class clown, charming and very well known. Everyone knew him and his family and teachers loved him, but he was also known in their small community as a party goer. Liz recalls Garrett having a fake ID and would purchase alcohol in high school from a local gas station off 377 in Bimberg, Texas. She remembers sitting in the car and as Garrett would go into the gas station, she felt scared and knew at some point he would get caught. While he never got caught buying, he did get caught drinking quite often, and through her observation, the consequences were never serious. Liz describes Garrett as a love bomb, saying that once Garrett got into a relationship, he started neglecting everything else in life, and she became top priority. Liz recalls them carpooling to and from school, and as she looks back now, realizes it was a form of control, him being able to keep tabs on where she was and who she was with before and after school. Liz says Garrett was extravagant in things he did. She recalls the time that he asked her to be his girlfriend. Garrett got them front row tickets to the Texas Rangers baseball game. And as they were approaching the stadium, he gave her an envelope that she thought had the tickets in there. After opening it, she realized it was a note asking her to be his girlfriend. After that, Garrett would write her monthly love letters on their anniversary and express how happy he was, how lucky he was that she chose him. It didn't take long for Liz's friends to notice her drifting away, and when they would invite her to do things, Garrett would always accompany her. Liz's friends started to become concerned, and one of their biggest complaints was how Garrett would sexualize her in front of other people and how they felt she became disconnected from the friend group. Liz and Garrett's relationship came to an end the night of Garrett's sports banquet at Southwest Christian School when he asked Liz to attend with him. Liz decided that she didn't want to go. She said she didn't feel comfortable going, none of her friends were going, and that she wanted to spend time with her friends that evening. Later that night, Liz received a text from Garrett saying that they do not need to see each other anymore. Looking back on my past relationships, I can totally see how she could find him charming at first. Prince Charming coming in, doing all the right things and making all the right stops in all the right places. But writing monthly letters expressing his love for her, I'm sorry, but even my 16-year-old would be like, bro, that needs to stop. 
If her friends could see her pulling away from them and notice the disrespect that he had for her in conversation, and they took the time to say something to her out of concern, that's just a big red flag for me. Big red flag. Right? So to come full circle, let's dive back into Sarah and Garrett's relationship. Their relationship began in March of 2019 after meeting at the Irish pub. They seemed to hit things off pretty well. Sarah's family knew this wasn't just any relationship when Sarah invited Garrett to a family gathering in spring of 2019. Sarah's family was close-knit, loved spending time together, and always over a nice, warm, home-cooked meal. All the ladies in their family loved to cook together and really bonded during those times. Sarah's family described Garrett during that first interaction as a nice young man. He was polite, well-mannered, well-dressed, and displayed feelings for Sarah. Garrett started attending family dinners, birthdays, and really wanting to get to know Sarah's family. Sarah and Garrett enjoyed spending time with family, friends, attending hockey games, and even dressed up for an event as a Dallas Star player and Sarah as the Stanley Cup. In January 2020, Sarah and Garrett moved in together at Garrett's home in Fort Worth. They really started making the place their own and even started talking and planning a future together. So much so that Garrett started spending more time with Sarah's dad, always wanting to impress him. Her family felt and believed during that time that Sarah was safe with him, especially as he promised to protect her. In July 2020, just weeks before allegedly killing her, Garrett even spent weekends helping her dad move and get settled into their new home. The weekend of July 4th, 2020, Sarah and Garrett spent the weekend with some friends at their friend's lake house. They all had a great evening on the lake, played games, and watched the fireworks. Everyone was planning on staying the night, and that evening, Sarah decided she was going to go to bed. It was a little bit after that that Sarah came downstairs with her bags, telling her friends that they were actually going to go home that night. Meanwhile, Garrett is standing behind Sarah, and their friend recalls him not saying a word, but he just had this look on his face. Their friends asked, are you sure? I hate for y'all to be on the road on a holiday weekend. Sarah insisted it was okay and she would let them know when they got home. Come to find out, they left because after Sarah went to sleep, Garrett thought that people were talking about him, but nobody was. It was the next day when Sarah and Garrett both texted the couple, individually apologizing that they had left that night. It was what Garrett says in his apology that sticks out to me, using alcohol as an excuse for his behavior. Garrett texts the friend saying that he was sorry for how he acted last night. He was upset and asked Sarah if they could leave. He felt really bad for leaving so quickly, not being able to say goodbye to everyone, and that he should have controlled his alcohol better. Okay, wow. So the fact that he had to text and admit that he needs to control his level of consumption only leaves me wondering how many times he's had to send a text like that in the past. Yep, it sure does make you wonder. I mean, remember, he did start drinking in high school when he was underage. So how do you really learn how to drink responsibly? About two weeks later on July 17th, 2020, Sarah and Garrett met some friends to enjoy a night of Topgolf. These were the same friends they spent 4th of July with. Sarah and Garrett mentioned to their friends that they wanted to go to Margaritaville Resort Casino, kind of like an end-of-summer weekend getaway before Sarah started her next year at UTA. Sarah was set to start her next semester at UTA on August 24, 2020. Sarah and Garrett were going to drive out Friday the 21st while their friends were going to meet them there Saturday morning the 22nd. Sarah asked her family to dog-sit her puppy that weekend, so Friday morning before they left, Sarah dropped her dog Milo off with her family, not knowing this would be her last time to see them. 
She mentioned that Garrett was at home packing and was upset that she didn't share a suitcase with him. But other than that, it seems like a pretty normal day. Are you kidding me? Like, what the hell? First of all, he's about to go on a fun getaway. Why would he want to make such a big deal about sharing a suitcase with her? It had to make him pretty upset for it to still be on her mind and for her to make the point to talk to her mom about the incident as well. Absolutely. Like, if my husband says he doesn't want to share a suitcase with me, my response would just be to grab my own bag, right? It just seems like some form of control, him wanting to control where everyone's possession was. Sarah and Garrett arrived in Bossier City at Margaritaville Resort Casino around 3 p.m. After they got settled in, they hit up the casino and befriended two girls. It didn't take long for the fun to begin for Sarah. While Garrett was losing at the tables, Sarah hit her first penny slot jackpot. She called her family to share the excitement with them for hitting her first jackpot and also sent her friends that were set to arrive Saturday a text message about how excited she was and how much fun she was having. Sarah told both her family and her friend that Garrett was not a happy camper, that she had won and he had lost all his money that evening. The night remained pretty short and after that, Sarah and Garrett joined the two girls in the hot tub. When they arrived at the hot tub, there was already another couple there who was local to the area. Well, I got in touch with the couple and the guy says that everyone was having a great time. Drinks and conversation were flowing well, as you would expect when you take a vacation. Sarah and Garrett's interaction with each other were friendly, everyone was getting to know each other, and Sarah and Garrett were asking for food and entertainment recommendations for them to do Saturday with their friends. Mind you, this is all taking place during COVID, when everything was closed, closing early, and the sanitation process was like nothing I've seen before. Anyhow, the guys said they were all in the hot tub for about an hour before the hot tub closed at 8 p.m. The local couple from the hot tub recall seeing Sarah and Garrett around 8.30 p.m. They were stumbling as they were making their way down the stairs of the resort. Although the couple was unsure where they were headed, it appeared that they were going to have dinner. This also fits the timeline as the last known communication was made from Sarah's phone around 9 p.m. on Friday, August 21st, 2020, when her family received a text saying that they had had pizza for dinner and were going to call it a night. Shortly after, Margaritaville Resort Casino receives a call about a noise complaint coming from their room and believed to be a domestic disturbance. Failure to respond to the call cost Sarah her life. Meanwhile, around 10.15 p.m. on August 21st, 2020, Garrett was allegedly seen outside of the resort causing a scene that led him to resisting arrest and being taken into custody for a 24-hour hold to evaluate and monitor his behavior and to ensure he was not a threat to himself or others. Upon arriving at the facility, Garrett was allegedly prompt to wash his hands and desanitize as part of the COVID procedures before checking into the facility, washing his hands of any DNA or gunpowder. While no one knew during this time that Sarah's body lied lifeless in their hotel room after allegedly being shot and killed by the monster, her boyfriend, Garrett Michael Benson. It was approximately 2 a.m. on August 22nd, an eyewitness was checking into Margaritaville Resort Casino at the time that Garrett's father, Todd Benson, and his little brother, Griffin Benson, arrived. This reliable witness says they were at the clerk desk requesting to have access to the room that Sarah and Garrett were staying in. The witness heard Todd also requesting that security accompany them and enter the room prior as they were unaware of what they would be walking into. It was approximately 15 minutes later that the same witness saw law enforcement and medics approaching the desk and being escorted to the room. 
Sarah's body was found in her hotel room at 217 with a gunshot wound and pronounced dead at the scene. Wow. Was Todd and Griffin on vacation with Sarah and Garrett at the time? No, they actually weren't on vacation with Sarah and Garrett. It was only Sarah, Garrett, and the couple that was meeting them there on Saturday. So what prompted them to go to the hotel and check in on Sarah and Garrett then? Well, looking at the timeline and the facts, we know that Garrett was allegedly taken in at 10.15 p.m. Garrett's family lives in Fort Worth, Texas, which is three hours and 45 minutes from Margaritaville. So according to the facts, Garrett's dad and brother, Todd and Griffin Benson, would have had to receive a call from Garrett by 10 p.m., prompting them to hop in a car and drive without any stops in order to get there by 2 a.m. If Garrett didn't call his family just moments before allegedly being taken in for evaluation, then what led them to be concerned enough to drive from Fort Worth, Texas to Bossier City, Louisiana in wee hours of the morning? I don't know. I'll let you do the math. 10.15 p.m., allegedly taken into custody. 2 a.m., Todd and Griffin arrive, leading them to Sarah after making a three-hour and 45-minute drive. Exactly. And while we all understand that Garrett is innocent until proven guilty, the question remains, if there was no foul play on his behalf, why would he not lead the police to Sarah's body prior to his arrest at 1015? I don't know. None of it makes sense to me. But tell me, where is he at today? I agree. On August 23rd, 2020, he was charged for second degree murder. He was given bond at 500000 the Bensons tried to reduce the bond for 50000 The bond request was denied and Garrett Benson was bailed out on July 9, 2021, spending 11 months in custody. Sayers' family requested that Garrett be monitored and receive drug and alcohol testing as part of the conditions for bail. This request was ignored and Garrett was released to his family. Right now, he is living in Fort Worth, Texas, awaiting for his trial to take place in Bossier City, Louisiana. He has been seen at the Dallas Cowboys game with filled access at his brother's proposal to the girl who went on multiple double dates frequently with Garrett and Sarah throughout their relationship. He is able to drive, go to work, and travel. And as of now, the trial is set to take place in Bossier City, Louisiana on November 28th. I can't even imagine how Sarah's family is coping, not only with the death of their princess, but also the injustice taking place before their own eyes. If you would like to stay up to date about this case, please subscribe as we unpack more details, speak to mutual friends of both Sarah and Garrett, and follow the upcoming trial. If you or someone you know who's a victim of domestic violence, please visit thehotline.org. It will provide information on a safety plan, education on warning signs of abuse, the power and control, and why people become abusers. You can also reach out by phone at 1-800-799-SAFE. That's 1-800-799-SAFE. Or text the word START to 88788. Thank you for tuning in with us as we unpack the details of Sarah's story. Please keep the Hanson family in your thoughts and prayers. We'll see you next time on The Justice Junkies.